Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of the PI Window on the World Procurement Unplugged Series. As always, I'm your host, John Hansen. Now, before we get to today's segment, which is going to be interesting, because we're going to follow up with a new wave era company. And, of course, you remember back in 2013, 2014, we, we launched uh, the series called the New Wave uh, Players to Keep Your Eye on in the Industry. And uh, today we'll be joined by the executive team from Market Dojo, which is based in the U.K. Uh, that program was interesting because it, it highlighted what we identified, a panel of us identified, as being the up-and-coming companies to watch. Now, by, by no means were we endorsing these organizations or saying you should use their solutions. We picked them because they were an interesting blend of organizations that were both new enterprises, uh, and we want to track getting the venture off the ground, whether that be through uh, BC funding, whether that be through early development of their solution, uh, moving or transitioning from a test environment to a uh, what you can call a production environment. It, it was it was a very very interesting uh, series that we did in 2014 and 2015. So we're going to be joined again by the executive team from Market Dojo in just a moment. I want to remind everybody that this uh, uh, broadcast is being recorded in its entirety, which means that if you can't join us for 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 this uh, uh, live broadcast, not to worry because you can tune in at your convenience uh, on an on-demand basis. And that's just one of the great, great features of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Uh, I want to remind everyone, too, that I think we're two shows away from our 1,000th broadcast. Uh, So, you know, 1,000. Wow. March 26th. Uh, 2009, we took to the airwaves, the virtual airwaves for the first time, and uh, that first 30-minute segment was a, a solo flight with me sort of explaining the, 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 the concept and themes of the show. And over the years, while we have varied uh, uh, to expand uh, our, our coverage beyond the procurement world, you know, we've, we've in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, have really come back and narrowed down again to dealing primarily with procurement issues. Uh, But, you know, I thought that intervening period was interesting simply because, uh, quite frankly, it uh, it gave us an opportunity to realize that procurement is uh, beyond uh, what we do uh, day in and day out during the day, but there are a diversity of interests or intersecting interests that need to be covered. Now, without further delay, I want to welcome to the uh, show uh, the Market Dojo team. I'll start with you, Ellen. How are you? I am very well, thanks very much. It's a shame we're not on the uh, a thousandth, thousandth podcast there, but um, radio show. But yes, very good, very good. Thank you. Nice and sunny over in the UK. Well, you know what I'll tell you. It's uh, Colin Cram, who is our uh, editor for our Procurement Insights European Union edition, is, is from the UK. And as mentioning, the weather's been kind of interesting. Although lately, you're spending more time in the Far East than than in the UK. But uh, your weather's been a tad better than ours here. Although it's starting to get a little bit more mild. We've been hit by those snowstorms, which is, I guess, makes us true to uh, our our label of being the Great White North. Now, who else is joining you, Alan? Uh, I'm just joined today by Anya, actually. 
Hi, John. How hey, are you? Okay. I am fine. Listen, you know that Candy Crush reference in that last post you did, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit. I love that. I thought that was a great analogy or tie-in to the link between how things were done in the past and the kind of, I guess, mindset, if not technological framework of accessibility uh, that the new uh, technologies have to have. So I I enjoyed reading that one very much. Uh, So kudos to you. Oh, brilliant. Glad you enjoyed it. Fab. Well, now, let's talk a little bit about this, because I want to break this down, too. And, and, and for, for you, you, based upon the previous interviews we've done, Ellen, uh, the procurement on Plug Series really is focused upon three discussion points. And so it's sort of what you can call a freewheeling, open kind of a conversation. And today, I want to focus on three key areas. How Market Dojo has evolved since 2013, when, again, our panel selected you as a company to watch, a new wave company to watch, uh, and hopefully you know, you'll know, you have news that will give us uh, credence for selecting you, as I'm sure you will. Um, your interpretation of where the industry is now and where is it, where, where is it headed, as well as uh, you know, where do you fit into that future equation? I mean, you know, there's things that are happening with the advent of mobile technology and, and, and uh, uh, even uh, wearable devices. One side note, I want you to ponder this and store it away for when we do get to this question. Uh, there was a study done, and it was indicated that uh, the vast majority of people under the age of 35 have never used a desktop or laptop computer. So, you know, that was shocking to me. Not that I'm going to admit my, my, my length of years uh, on this earth, but, but it, it, it does have an effect, I would imagine, on where the industry is headed. So just, just keep that, that statistic uh, in the back of your mind for, for reference during when that uh, point comes up. But let, let's start with the company. Back in 2013, where are you today? How have you evolved from where you were back in 2013? Yeah, I, I mean, essentially, we, we, we've carried on with, with the same philosophy. Uh, we've grown rapidly. We're pushing into kind of overseas markets. Uh, we've got more corporate-esque clients as well, as well as the kind of smaller size markets we were, we were heading for. Um, we're still, you know, we're still the same philosophy. We're still there to make e-sourcing simple. We haven't branched out into B2B or anything, but we, we think there's a lot of innovation. We think then and we think now there's still a lot of innovation to happen within the e-sourcing space, uh, and so we've broadened our portfolio. Uh, we work with our clients on a lot of our developments as before, so we've developed like an onboarding tool to go alongside our innovation tool and category strategy tool as well as the kind of e-sourcing uh, kind of flagship product. And, um, you know, we, 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 our customers are growing. We've had almost a customer a day in the last week, um, and our customers are, you know, initially when we when we focused the business, it was for the SME kind of market. Um, but we found very soon is that the the clients that we kind of found were the the larger clients. So like the you know the uh, we were thinking more like 100 million, 500 million. But we've had a full range of clients from 2 million in turnover to 30 billion using our software for uh, simple RFQs, quick coats to 100 million pound auctions across all kinds of industries. So we've really been just moving forward with the original philosophy and growing very well. And Annie's come on board. She's one of, she was our first employee uh, looking to promote the, the brand. Now, I, gotta, I have to ask this because this is an interesting one. First of all, most of your growth is still focused in the UK market, correct? 
it's um, it's it's well, it's, it's actually we're growing and growing more within worldwide. Originally, we're very UK focused, but because we're software as a service, or as Anya would coin it, uh, software is a service. I think with a <laughs> Kelly Kelly chat was that. Yeah, that's exactly okay. it. Was a, a chat with Ed, another article. It was uh, talking about that, that exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, I have to ask this because, Anya, this sort of rolls and segues into yourself because of your role. And, again, I referred to the Candy Crush article that you wrote or part two part. Uh, but one of the interesting things is that as you begin to expand, and, and let's look at this. I had a discussion with the senior people from Zykus, and they said they're strong in India. They have a U.S. footprint. Europe, they, they can't make any inroads whatsoever. Now, you've made inroads beyond the U.K. and certainly beyond the scope and size of what you, you had originally defined as being your target client, uh, which is the SME market. Does a lot of that have to do with what you're doing, Anya, and your understanding of the, the, the method of communication with the broader marketplace? Do, do you follow what I'm saying in that? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of marketing, um, what what we do is, is very much web-based. Um, well, for a start, we, we believe that there's no secret to marketing. It's not like there's some magic answer out there to kind of get your brand noticed. It, it's just about hard work and dedication and, and kind of covering all the bases and having a finger in every pie. And I think that's what we try to do. Um, obviously, everyone's got, got their own ways of, of finding finding out about new companies whether that is a, a Gartner report or a, or word of mouth so uh yeah we just try and, and cover it all really um yeah well, but okay but what, what sure to interrupt but one of the things that's interesting here is that is it is it is it part of the thing we look at the new wave selection and, and Ellen uh, please feel free to to throw your thoughts in on this but is it that a market dojo image that is more in line with the emerging generation next professionals that are coming up like is it that almost that sexy boutique this is a company that really has a good solution because let's be let's be honest and, and one of the things kelly Bart and i talked about in our book is is that the technology by and large you can't go wrong if you got a market dojo and a koopa and whoever else i mean realistically speaking the technology now has been commoditized to a certain degree where you don't have that belt with suspenders, white knuckle decision making uh, that 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 was governed by nobody ever got fired for buying IBM mindset that's out there. So it, it, it's a given that your technology is great, uh, and and no one you know will really go wrong with it. But is it the fact that you have an appeal now that you're you're part of that? Uh, and I want to date myself again, but the, the old you know we're the Pepsi generation of 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 the uh, of of, of the uh, cloud based solution provider. Yeah, I mean, you've you raised a few interesting points there. I mean, just come back to just quickly touch on the European to UK to US kind of question. I mean, I think the, the UK and Europe tend to be quite, uh, well, Western Europe especially, quite far advanced in the, the, the way they purchase. And because we've, uh, I mean, especially I've grown up in the procurement community in the UK and we market very well in the UK, I think because it's a tougher market and the way we approach it gives us more success because we are seeing a lot more success success now in like Eastern Europe and the US and Asia. Uh, and we found actually that they're slightly easier markets to get to make a decision. In the UK where uh, they're very professional to the procurement, but that means there's quite a drawn out procurement process of which we've grown up with. So maybe we handle it better than some of these companies trying to approach these markets uh, and we find in the foreign markets 
that the decision-making process is quite easy and they find us refreshing. Uh, and that's coming onto one of the reasons that um, we're doing well. I think that the main reason uh, that we, we do, we're doing so well is because we bring an R&I, ROI, sorry. Um, and many, well, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article about bringing benefits to the end user, which was really about my experiences working at a large blue chip organization with the implementation of SAP, which costs a lot of money. They're great systems. Uh, however, they have challenges with bringing the benefit to the end user and actually finding an ROI. Now, we, we actually in discussions with a number of customers that I can think of at the moment who have a, another different ERP system without mentioning the names, um, and they just don't have the adoption, they don't have the ROI, and they just want to get people using the system and they want to get the benefit. Um, and, you know, we've We've gone into companies who haven't run an auction before, users who've never run an auction before, and that's just one part of our capability, for example, and they run an auction and within a couple of weeks they've saved X hundreds of thousands of pounds. Uh, and I think that is why larger companies like Bosch, for example, or even ones I can't mention at the moment, why they're using us, because even though they've got systems that can do the stuff, we can actually deliver quickly and effectively and there aren't many products on the market where you can spend 500 pounds uh, and get an ROI of like a, you know 100,000% for example okay but that's the new that that's the new law of the jungle now i mean honestly what you do you do very very well i mean i go back to say this it's, it, there's no longer the argument and and, uh, and that line is no one ever got fired for for buying IBM the implications back in those days and of course it was a different era uh, technology was somewhat uh, uh, magic behind the curtain. It was intimidating. It was it was. It's safe to say that the cloud-based solutions today remove that intimidation, and it's the intersection of not only the ease of use and, and, and it's inexpensive, 500 pounds as you talk about, uh, to our Canadian listeners and U.S. listeners, that's about thousand uh, or twelve hundred dollars. Don't quote yeah. me on that exchange rate, though. Okay, so don't go <laughs> buying currency based upon my exchange rate because I don't want to falsely advise you but but let's face it you know back then there was a certain amount of mystery now you have the technology much like the pc it went from the proprietorized uh, here's a compact here's a k pro here's a ibm and i know you may not recognize some of those names to it became a commodity item so number one i think you're solution and the solutions that can be installed in weeks and days so quickly to return the ROI have commoditized the industry. You now have a user base that is no longer intimidated or afraid by uh, of, of technology. You know, it's like plug and play and it's interchangeable or like Kelly Barner said, you can change suppliers or, or, or service providers like you can change your socks now. It's not that difficult. Uh, so it goes back to the question is that then it becomes a, 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 a what you call, I guess, a battle of branding or, or confidence in terms of dealing with somebody, getting into know, like, and trust somebody. It's not a features, functions, benefit differentiation any longer. I mean, that really is the new jungle that you're playing in, especially as more and more of the next generation or generation next come into play. I mean, is that not a fair statement? Yeah, I, I think very much. I mean, we we because we're a small company, we create create a real connection with uh, the people that we work with, because we don't hook people in to leave. So you know, you can implement us in days, you can leave us in days. We give people the tools that they can use to leave us, such as Expel exports. They they always have view of the data, whether they're a licensed user or not. Now, so even though we've created 
um, an environment where people can come and go very easy because we're very open with our client base, which I believe people should be today. It creates that, as you say, no like, it creates that trust element and people like working with us. I think there's a lot of comparisons at the moment. For example, um, Skype have been taken over by Microsoft and we we have they're trying to force people onto the, the the Microsoft Skype product, which is Ling, which is being transferred to Skype. And they're trying to do in a way which is quite, they're taking away features from Skype to move you towards the Microsoft version of Skype. And they're trying to use a stick rather than a carrot. And if you look at companies like Google, for example, they, they create uh, like Google Maps, they create things which are free out there, which are very easy to use, which you like using, which they improve. And when they do ask for a bit of money, you're happy to pay it because they've created that trust. And I think there's a lot of parallels with that. And that if you give, if you work with people and trust people and give them the tools to use the software and improve and don't try to force them in any way, then it creates that, as you say, no, like the trust element. Uh, and then people, I think, enjoy working with us to that extent because we're open and because we don't have these kind of hooks, for example. Okay, now I've got to ask this question. And then, Anya, I want to go back to you because I, I think the messaging and positioning today is more important because I'll go back to the film by just saying, you know what, if somebody looked at, at, at dealing with a Coupa, which is a billion-dollar cap, and looked at dealing with Market Dojo and looked at Zygas, in all honesty, uh, you know, from a technological standpoint, you can't go wrong with either of those choices. I'm not trying you, you know, I know you have your, your benefits and your strengths, but realistically speaking, it's certainly not as definitive of a line as it is or was in the past. Now you know if I'm going to put in uh, Market Dojo, I know it's going to work. I know it's going to deliver the results and the ROI. The, the, the mystery is gone from that standpoint. So now it becomes, as you mentioned, your, your trust factor, and you build that relationship and branded messages. And again, Anya, I'll get to you on that in just a moment. But does that not, as you become more successful, potentially make you a takeover target? And if you do get absorbed by a larger enterprise, I mean, Coupa acquiring a, another company last year, and we don't have to go into the details of that, but does that not threaten potentially the dynamics on that basis? Have you ever looked at that and said, what happens if we are an acquisition target, if we're successful? Will we be able to be independent, or will we be assimilated into a larger model, and that larger model may not be conducive to what made us successful in the first place? Do you follow what I'm saying, Alan? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess if we did look at, it, it, I guess not what you're talking about investment. You're talking about kind of a takeover or a buyout. Uh, I mean, it gets, I guess it depends on the, on the company um, that you know whether they're acquiring you for your customer base or acquiring you for your technology or acquiring you for your or your people. Uh, I mean, we've set up this company as. You know, we've set it up, you know, not as um, uh, we didn't set it up because we want to make loads of money. We set it up because we want to have fun and we want to do something worthwhile. And I think because if you take that philosophy and outlook to how you set up a company, then, you know, all, all the benefits down the line come. And I guess the question would be if someone did take us over, if we let that happen, um, why would they be doing that? I think that would ultimately... Uh, answer that kind of question. I think if you look at some of the takeovers that have happened recently, there's been a lot of consolidation in the market. And you speak to the people involved. I think you can safely say that some are 
happier than others, should we say, uh, based on how they kind of happen, what happens within the company, what happens with the people. I think how you treat the people is is really key to that, to actually making a, a stronger solution rather than um, just, you know, creating a real synergy, should we say, rather than just like one plus one equals two. Well, you know, and, and, and that part, just hearing what, what Alan said in response to my question, and being a branding expert, writing content, and, and, and all of these things that you do, uh, is it easier to, and, and easy is, is a subjective word, I know, but is it easier to build a compelling story that connects with your target market based upon the very principles that Alan talked about, why they got into it? It wasn't to, to get rich, although making money, there's nothing wrong with that, but it was more, I would call, a values uh, proposition of being able to provide service and take the market where they felt it had to go from, from, from a cloud-based solution standpoint. I mean, how does that affect your job? Does it make it easier? To 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 uh, to connect with your market. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, and and it totally does. I mean, whenever I'm speaking to prospects at, at a trade show or on the phone, I, I always start off with the the story of Market Dojo and tell them about how one day two guys were boarding a plane and came up with the concept of creating a, a software which was really easy to use and allow companies to bring e-auctions in-house and it and it is it's it's a warming little story and it really kind of appeals to the to the listeners and and they love it i i think so anyway all right but it, you know let's go on the other side and and ellen i'll go back on this there's a fine line between that because there's the the little engine that could which does have a certain amount of appeal the underdog and, and everything else like this but you've made inroads ellen into uh, in, into larger clients than you expected. I mean, you're originally going to be an SME uh, target market, and you've gone into, you mentioned Bosch as one example, certainly a large, uh, noteworthy uh, corporate player. But, you know, it, there's a fine line between being the underdog and then being comfortable or having bigger companies be comfortable with the fact is, is that, you know, you have the foundation that they can put you in and know you're going to be able to go the distance with them. I mean, is, is that part of the balance that, that Anya has uh, strived to achieve in messaging about, uh, uh, about Market Dojo? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's, uh, there, there are lifestyle businesses and there are not, as it were. And even though we've approached it with a kind of a fun and a value proposition, we're far from like a lifestyle business. But we're actually all very driven to with respect to we we don't just you know we, we did start a market dojo with a view to play more golf we haven't played one round of golf since we started because we are we are driven from the business side and enjoying the business side and working with the right partners um and i you know i think that there is um you have to be careful if you set up a kind of a business and you're doing it for the value side that you know you, you still drive the business forward and we we do drive the business forward i think that's very important in terms of we reinvest about 50% of our revenue uh, in R&D over the last five years about 30% of our developments are paid for via clients we've had four grants uh, for innovation from various people, from academics, from government institutions, from local partnerships, and we drive to to move it forward. So even though you, you we haven't got the kind of focus on you know it's not a money making enterprise and it's kind of value driven. It's not a lifestyle business. It's very much, and it's because you take that professional approach and drive the product that you start working with partners who are able to get into clients who are kind of a worldwide organization so for example our new product the onboarding dojo 
we worked with the client PHS to develop that because they wanted the market. They didn't see a self-service, easy-to-use, pay-as-you-go tool for onboarding their suppliers. And it turns out, you know, we, we've had, you know, however many hundreds of customers that we've had or have, um, not one of those people have onboarded us with like an electronic system or one or two have. And so they've got another entire market open to us out there through development of this tool in collaboration with the client. And now we're working with a a worldwide organization you want to onboard 30,000 suppliers through Market Dojo. And it's interesting you said, with I respect IBM, no one got you know fired for buying IBM. Now the question is, well, have you got the money to buy IBM? And two, because the procurement profession has become ever so much more professional, people don't, don't want to be a me too and just I bought from IBM. They want to become a kind of a hero, hence one of our marketing ideas, be the sourcing hero. I mean, they were talking about the steel industry closing in the UK the other day on the news. Um, and they actually talked about procurement being one of the factors that can help drive um, a, a better kind of a company with respect to the steel making business. And that's the first time in a long time I think I've heard procurement on the TV. So it's that's a big driver as well. Well, you see, that is an interesting point. And this is where you're at the cross sections of where the industry is now and where it's headed. I mean, realistically speaking, if you had introduced, and I may have asked you this question once before, but, but if you had tried to introduce this company 10 years ago versus where you, you, you are now, I mean, 10 years ago, a company like yours wouldn't have been imaginable, I don't think, because, you know, you, you did have that mindset of nobody got fired for IBM. The ERPs were considered the, the safest route, even though they had a horrendous implementation success rate or lack of success rate. Is it now that you're at the perfect timing? And I won't call it the perfect storm, but certainly the crossroads because the mindset of the industry is now open to looking at solutions like yours. Uh, do, do you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah, maybe I should direct that towards you from the standpoint of the front line of the market. I mean, it, is it a receptive audience uh, who is, 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 is viewing procurement in a much different light than they did 10 years ago that makes it easier? Uh, yeah, I think I think there's you know it's it's obviously never just one answer really. I mean it's an, I mean first of all the internet connectivity is there. Uh, I mean still there's a long way to grow. We're lucky we're in a market which is continually growing and it's growing because people are gradually moving into resourcing in smaller companies and trying to move away from email. So there is a um, a large element is in the market. Grow, growing there for us in terms of how things change. Um, and things like Gartner, for example, Anya, I mean, you can maybe talk about Gartner. Yeah, I mean, the Gartner is an, an interesting one, and we touched on it in, in the blog recently um, that, that we wrote with Ed Cross of Edesma. Um, and, and Gartner, I mean, they only introduced the kind of ease of use point into their analysis. So, um, like way way after any any of the other factors, um, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, sorry to interrupt, guys. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, guys. But let's face it, and this goes to uh, I, my my question to to you in in terms of the content is uh, what's funny is it's not as many people take Gartner as seriously as they used to. <laughs> let's be honest, for the reasons you cited. I mean, is is the fact is that makes an organization successful is that the broad scope of access to information people now have uh, is it, a key factor. I mean, before, 
you'd only have a, a narrow outlet, if you will, or a narrow funnel of potential information source, the Gartners, the Aberdeens, the like uh, of those. But now the market is wide open. Now the, the sources of information are there. And I think as Tim Cummins from IACCM once said, in, in great wisdom, he said, if you wake up with uh, uh, feeling a little under the weather, in the morning, uh, you're more likely to Google your symptoms than to call the doctor. I mean, is that, a, is that a major reason why there's the breakthrough for you? Is that why it's appealing and why you're able to gain the traction that you have and the credibility to land a Bosch? I mean, Anya, is, is, is that it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that, that's funny. I was just about to mention Google, but um, going back to how I said our main kind of methods of marketing are kind of web-based. Um, we focus a lot on kind of SEO and making sure that we're top for all our keywords because that that's how people find us. If, if you want to know anything, you you Google it. And uh, maybe, maybe it's in the future we're going to look at Google reports rather than Gartner reports. And I think for the future well, now, of of Mark, oh, sorry. Sorry, now I got to ask you this: is and 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 does that play into? Remember we talked about the, the average uh, user under the age of thirty-five. Many have never used the desktop computer. Some have used laptops, but the majority have used mobile devices, and there's the wearable technology with the zettabytes coming out here. I mean, is, is that more conducive to the messaging that you're putting together to get out to the marketplace? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, we've we've always kind of been mobile from from day one. We had uh, we we've kind of been in touch with with that side of things, um, Alan. You, Maybe you could touch on that more as I wasn't there from day one. Yeah, I mean, it was very. I mean, I think it, it's an interesting one that you've got to look at who's in the procurement profession at the moment. I think our users are very. It's an interesting time, as you say. It's very mixed, so we have to appeal to um, both classes and both generations of people. So we've got the up and coming younger people who are starting to move into more senior positions in procurement, and then we've got the procurement managers who are probably around my age, middle age. I'm not sure what you'd call me, and then you've got the direct out there. So I think it's, it's actually not so much appealing to one particular class of people, but you've got to have the ability to appeal to all of them. Because we're a tool which is in the pay-as-you-go structure at the very least, and you know an integrated e-sourcing tool for large organizations at the most, you've got to be able to be searchable and found by the procurement directors and CPOs of this world as well as the buyers and procurement managers. So I think you've got to have a, a marketing strategy and a branding strategy, as Andy mentions, which kind of crosses all these different types of fields. And I, I asked a question on Procurious one day, how, how do you go about finding new providers for technology in the procurement space? And uh, many of them came from word of mouth, Google. The, the odd Gartner came up, but I mean, I suppose Procurious is more sort of that your your millennial users um and and they generally tend to opt for other means of of searching for providers so in other words in other words the older way of doing it is uh, the, the people who are tending to follow those uh, put their teeth in glasses of water at night is what you're saying no, i'm not going to put words into your mouth but you know what i mean it's 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 it's, it's that the gardeners and the traditional mechanisms of referrals that audience is shrinking in terms of gardeners not being ignored per se, but they're only one of many, many, many avenues of knowledge and insight to help in the decision-making process that didn't exist previously. Let, let me ask you this one final question, Alan. Uh, 
and let's talk about mobile and wearable devices because this does tie into the technological platform of Market Dojo and these emerging cloud-based solutions. It is safe to say, uh, especially with bring your own device to work kinds of, of, of scenarios, it, it's safe to say that, that a lot of business is going to start being transacted from these kinds of devices. Is that a technological advantage for you over, let's say, the more traditional type of applications? I mean, can you see procurement professionals being on the go and mobile uh, using these devices to do what they would have ordinarily had to be chained to a desk to do uh, uh, through, a, uh, through, through a PC? And, and what kind of competitive advantage does that give you going forward? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, it depends what, you, what you're talking about because, I mean, if you talk about e-procurement, uh, you, you've got kind of the operational side of the transactional side of it more in the P2P space. And then you've got the kind of strategic side of it, which more fits within the e-sourcing space. And what we're certainly seeing, I think, with you know, the P2P applications out there, a lot of them are trying to move towards, you know, scanning expenses, approving uh, requisitions sort of on the fly from your mobile, etc. When at Market Dojo, we, you know, we made... I think we made a very good decision early on. We, we looked at the procurement market. We looked at the paradigm shift in the market. We looked at the wave of what was happening. We found that it was the commoditization of the e-source. It was first really happening within the kind of e-auction space. That's where we focused. Uh, and then what's happening as, as time moves on is that becomes more and more commoditized. The next thing is people are looking to commoditize uh, email, and so move, people move away from email into resourcing. Now, if we started with the email side of things and trying to replace that to begin with, we'd have a very high sales cost, a very low sales revenue, and we'd be out of business. Um, so I think we started the direction right. The other decision we made was to focus on e-sourcing, and e-sourcing is very much a strategic side of it rather than this operational transactional side. So I think definitely on the mobile side, it seems to be influencing more the P2P transactional side. On the, kind of, on the strategic side, we have kind of protected ourselves in some way because, you know, to set up very complex e-sourcing exercise. It's very difficult to do that from a small screen on a mobile, for example. You need to have like a laptop or a desktop. Uh, and so in some ways we protect ourselves uh, around this transactional side, which can also be subsumed eventually, you know, the transactional side, you're looking at, you know, Amazon and Google going into this kind of operational side, which is in the space that we're involved with. So I think by our decisions in remaining in procurement and being strategic have protected us somewhat from that, from that move. Now, let me ask you this one final question. I thank you for staying a little bit longer. Five years from now, we're having a conversation. What is that conversation going to be like? What, 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 what will Market Dojo look like five years from now? Bring out your crystal ball. Because remember, in five years from now, I'll actually call you and follow up on that. So. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like us to be. Um, we, for number one, we specialize in e-sourcing. I don't see us moving into P2P, and so we're going to, there's a, there's a, I think a lot of companies have gone into P2P have ignored it, and there's a lot of innovation to happen with e-sourcing. However, the procurement industry is of a finite volume. It is growing every day with the, the, the kind of medium and small size companies you know, to uptaking e-sourcing, but there's a limit in the market. So the question is, how would you break out of that market? Now, we've had many discussions with many people around um, using Market Dojo to set up your own e-marketplaces, uh, and we've already achieved that in some aspects. For uh, We've got a large 
customer uh, who are running tens of auctions a day on, uh, am I allowed to say that, Anya? Yeah, yeah, we're allowed to say that. So uh, a Greco who run tens of auctions a day on, on, on freight and developing a kind of an e-marketplace there. And where we really like Market Dojo to be is of, um, if you think about eBay, when eBay came out, you could run auctions on eBay. But then what happened with eBay is people created their own shops. And the similar thing with Market Dojo. We'd like Market Dojo to be like the number one e-sourcing tool of choice. But then also we'd like the ability for people to use Market Dojo to create their own businesses and only marketplaces, which helps us break out of the kind of breaks out of the e-sourcing box, as it were. And we started on this development about three years ago, and we're gradually moving towards there with a variety of partners. Uh, I think the first one we were looking at was an energy marketplace to try and fix a broken market. Um, and so I, think, I guess the point I'm trying to say is that we are looking for ways to use our technology in other areas outside of procurement. So instead of looking like for the next million pound idea, but the next billion pound idea or the next 10 billion pound idea, uh, and we try and do it in a way which makes market very easy to use which is in you know we're, we're looking for people to spread the word of market dojo through word of mouth rather than force it upon people or tell people how good it is and and i, I just want like, to i'm sorry Anya, oh, go ahead i'm sorry no, ahead. yeah no i just wanted to say you you uh you asked at the start how, how has market dojo evolved over the past three years and ultimately fundamentally we haven't changed our philosophy is still the same we're still trying to support our clients as much as possible we're still really easy to use we're still focused on on trying to drive the adoption of e-auctions and and it's quite clear that alan's really passionate about about what what he's doing but but that that passion really carries through to us as well to the uh, us workers at market dojo i mean it's it's keeping that philosophy. So I, I don't want Market Dojo to change in five years. I want us to stay the same. So basically, so basically, stay the course, keep doing what you're doing, but uh, go and expand and grow. So we're going to find you being bigger, better, and, and, and broader in the areas of impact. Is that the best way to sum it up? Yeah, I, I, I think so. And, and, you know, even though we're focusing on, on e-sourcing at the moment, we'd like to transfer those ideas and philosophies to other industries we don't i i don't think we want to do um necessarily a google look at maps and then driverless cars oh actually no that probably does link quite well actually but and we do want to innovate like google but i think we want to try and innovate along along the the same lines we want to look at products which complement each other and use our existing skill set and technology uh, and as i mentioned around the kind of e-marketplaces for example use our core factors but let people kind of create a subset of Market Dojo themselves. So in other words, you empower people to create their own businesses using Market Dojo, and that opens up an entire new business based on the same philosophies and based on the same technology. Well, Alan Rafiq and Anya McKenna, thank you for joining us today. It certainly had a, a, a discussion that flew by very quickly, and we went a little bit over time, but that's all right because uh, I think it, it provided a very interesting perspective. So, again, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, thanks very much. It was always. And to you, 
uh, our audience, of course, we thank you for sharing what is your most valuable asset, which is your time. I want to remind everybody again that this entire broadcast has been recorded in its entirety, and you can listen to it on an on-demand basis at your choosing. Until we come at you over these same virtual airways again through our New York City studios, I remain your host as always, John Hansen. Bye for now. Thank you.